Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. No disassemble. Ah, uh, nice. Thank you. You know, I don't usually play the quote game, but today's episode is one I've quoted from in the past. Yes. The box is locked. The lights are on. It's robot fighting time. Right. And uh, and we're doing this because of a little Facebook feedback. Yippee! From Corey, who says, please do a podcast about battle bots. And now we will. All right, then. So, Actually, uh, the battle bots is but one form of robot competition. Mm-hmm. Um as a matter of fact, there are, there are many different kinds of competition overall. Now, uh, you might be thinking of uh, a first, which is a different type of robot competition in which you build robots that are supposed to solve specific projects. It's uh, an educational. Uh, I think of it, I, anyway. I think of it as an educational robot contest. Yes, yeah, in which that, you are trying uh, to do something constructive with your robot. Right, Dean Kamen is involved with that one. Exactly, exa- exactly. And I think, uh, as a matter of fact, I think there is an episode of uh, uh, stuff from the Science Lab from a long time ago that may have focused on on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, they did a visit to to first to the robot competition because that they, they tend to take place in Georgia. Now, you know, this is one of the things that I like about you know Lego. You build these massive things. You can build them in all different kinds of configurations, and robots are are similar in that you can do all kinds of things. You can have them lift things. You can have them move and, and grapple. And then, as with many of my Lego toys, you can also bust them into many, many little pieces. Right. <laughs> and that's what BattleBots is. And Chris it's... Smash! <laughs> uh, yes. Um, the, uh, the whole concept is... Sometimes, uh, I would say probably mostly attributed to a guy named Mark Thorpe, who in 1992, he actually was working uh, for Mr. George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Who, um, he was a, a senior designer for Lucas Toys. Uh, and at that point, he was he came up with the idea of fighting vehicles. Um, you know, basically, he was surprised. I, I went to his website in researching this, and he said that he was uh, surprised that people seemed sort of indifferent to it. And he said, you know what? Somebody's going to figure out how this is going to work. In fact, that was almost a verbatim direct quote. Um, but he also was thinking about the possibility of creating a uh, radio-controlled vacuum cleaner. Can you imagine that, a robotic vacuum cleaner? <laughs> how <laughs> would that make go over? that work? Uh, the idea would be to make it an enjoyable process, right. Mr. Thorpe said. Uh, so he started thinking about the idea as he was taking his one of his... Uh, um, inventions apart and said, wait a minute, what if I put, you know, tools of destruction on this? And we, we had these robotic, remote-controlled robots And I made a vacuum cleaner of death. Well, yeah, more or less. Okay. <laughs> so uh, essentially, that's how Robot Wars... Uh, was created. Yes. He came up with the idea of, of having a robotic competition in which you would build remote-controlled devices that would attempt to destroy one another in an arena. Uh, and the arena, its, arena itself would also be trying to destroy the two robots. Yes, so there would be uh, obstacles in play, and you could uh, either 
fall prey to them or perhaps manipulate your opponent so that uh, it would fall prey. Yes, it would become a, a jumble of of garbage. Yes. Um this was this started happening around 1994. Yeah. Uh, and at the time uh you know it it launched it was well, we'll say this qualified to the people who would actually want to watch something like this. A smashing success. No, yes. No pun intended for once. Because yeah. um, yeah. sometimes it was a flippin' success. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it, it took off. The idea took off. Uh, the problem with Robot Wars, and I don't want to get into this in lots of detail because I don't know all the, the mechanisms of, of this. Um, Mr. Thorpe worked with a company in New York, a record company, uh, to help him finance it. Uh, the company um, was uh, named Profile, and uh, Profile Records at that point. And apparently, after some time, there were some grappling over the rights to the name mm-hmm. and the concept. Uh, and by that point, you know, I don't want to skip ahead uh, in, in a great, but this is not really a history podcast because we're actually going to talk about that. Um, as the thing is, by that by the point where it really got to be a serious fight, and we're talking like lawyers are getting involved with this, enough people were involved with the idea that they it, it sort of took off, and other people became involved with it, and that's where uh, you know some of the fans broke off and started their own uh, league, uh, which is now known as BattleBots. Yeah, they they had become disenchanted with Robot Wars just because of all the legal wrangling and. Uh, there was there was there was an effort to bring it to uh, to England as a television show, which yep. eventually did happen and was very successful. Uh, there have been some shows in the United States as well with the United States cast that also were were you know followed under the the Robot Wars name. Uh, but some people during this this uh, period of turmoil, they just felt like they they felt like they were being overlooked. Yeah. I felt like, you know, this is supposed to be just about engineers and robot specialists building machines and having them compete. And it's kind of all getting lost in this legal shuffle. So they sort of formed a splinter group and split off from there. And that's that, that was kind of the genesis of BattleBots. Yep. And, uh, of course, the the uh, the people who were in charge of Robot Wars sued the people who were in charge of BattleBots. Of course. Um, but as as time went on. Uh, BattleBots sort of came to be the primary competition in the United States, and Robot Wars had moved overseas to uh, the United Kingdom. Right. Um, and, you know, the thing is, this probably would have passed in relative obscurity for people who really like robots. But um, in the United States, they began televising BattleBots competitions. On in the, the late- oddest channel possible. Uh, well, you know, there are a lot of things that have come out of Comedy Central that you might not have expected. Yeah, but, you know, robots fighting each other. And, you know, they, well, we, we should say here, if you have never seen BattleBots, you, when you hear robots fighting each other, you may be thinking of... of uh, uh, you know, Mechas? Yeah, like humanoid-type robots. Robots that have an anthropomorphic-type shape. Uh, that's not the case. Some of these robots were quite odd. A lot of them look like boxes with wheels. Um, and in fact, a lot of them, that's essentially what their, their basic form factor was. Yes. But, uh, you know, it's, it, there was nothing inherently comedic, although, of course, 
the the uh, play-by-play announcers and uh, the behavior of the crowds could sometimes lend a slight comedic air to the proceedings. But it wasn't, you know, you wouldn't call it a comedy. It was a competition. No, no, but it was certainly a lighthearted competition. No one, sure. no person were, was getting hurt, at least not in the arena. No, um, feelings might be hurt. <laughs> certainly, oh, I'm sure there was more than a little bit of yeah. that. But yes, for, for a few brief years here in the United States, in the early uh, 2000s, and I guess technically stretching back to, to maybe 99, but really uh, in the early 2000s, uh, there were a few seasons of BattleBots, which I recorded on my DVR and watched uh, as far as I know, every episode of, and was very sorry to see that they canceled it. And I was a little concerned that it might disappear. Um, I actually was talking with a friend about the possibility of, of creating a battle bot. Uh, as it turned out that we uh, didn't get very far with that because creating a battle bot, a robot to do this, we're not talking about uh, you know something like the Lego Mindstorms. Although right, that would be kind of fun too. Yeah, I don't uh, know whether those would last very long in a in a battle arena. Not in in this particular kind of arena, because uh, we're talking about things with spikes and buzz saws and ramps, and... ramps and flying metal. Uh, some of which gets very very heavy. Uh, it takes a lot of uh, uh, pneumatics, um, heavy duty motors, yeah, hydraulics, uh, hydraulics. Sometimes. Um, these these tools are very heavy and can do a lot of damage to people, which is why the arena is completely enclosed. Yes. Um, we're not talking about just the sides. There's not. It, it's not like you might see at a at a race where there's a fence to a certain part, but otherwise it's not enclosed. This is in a, a basically in a square box. Yeah, a cage. Yeah. You so might think uh, of. Yeah, before they before they compete. Um, so th- the thing is, though, these are very expensive because not only do you build your bot. You also have to uh, maintain the bot. Say you get in. Uh, this is this is in a tournament format, right? This competition. So you have many rounds of competition. So you get in your first round match, and you are competing against another robot with your robot. Well, let's say you're successful, or you know the person's motor, the remote control never works, or the you know battery burns out. Let's say you are you do actually work, and you go against one another. Well, the other guy. The other guy's robot tore part of the skin of your robot off with the buzzsaw that's attached to the robot. Well, now you have a second round match. What are you going to do? Well, you have to refurbish that. Or yeah. let's say the, the hammer on the top of your robot with the spike that, that pierces the armor of the other one and carries it into the buzzsaw that's in the, the arena floor. Um, well, you know, the thing is it got stuck. Yeah, and look, the motor burned out. Or well, you're going to have be... to replace it. Well, this is expensive stuff. You can't just jump in with five hundred dollars. Right, right. I mean, and when you've this. got things like pneumatics and hydraulics that may potentially be powering part of your robot, you've got lots of tubes that can suffer damage. And yep. if there's a leak, then clearly your robot's not going to perform up to what the standard was before, and and you need to uh, replace that in the middle. And yeah, it, it can be very expensive. And it's not like there are a lot of off-the-shelf parts for these robots. Although there are companies that are that kind of cater to this this uh, this hobby now. Yes, I mean, there are definitely. some places where you can buy stuff that has been specifically geared for use with robots. But especially in the early days, this was a lot of do-it-yourself. You know, building, taking various pieces from hardware stores 
and motors and and uh, RF controllers and that kind of thing and making it all work together. You know, it's really an, a feat of engineering to build one of these things. Yes, and it doesn't help to have a machine shop at your disposal. So if you can't yeah. find the pieces that you need, you can, you can make, make them. them. Yeah, you can make a custom built robot. Yes. Well, they're all custom built, but you can make one where it has unique parts that you would not find anywhere else. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about the competition itself. Sure. Because uh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. So so let's say you you do have a few thousand sitting around. You want to go ahead and give it a try. Um first of all, it would help to go to the BattleBots website to learn more about the competition. Now on the on the website you'll find the rules that you need to adhere to. It's not mm-hmm. uh, anything goes. You really have to abide by a certain set of rules. And we'll get into some of those and in specifications. A bit. Yep. So uh you need to find out What's going on? You need to find out when the competitions are going to be. It would help to become immersed in the community, learn a little bit more about maybe there's a regional competition you could go to to try your robot out. And then you need to start thinking about the kind of robot you want to build. Yeah. Um, But let's – sticking with the competition. So you go to a competition, and there are several rounds. Uh, You're given a pit area. Sort yes. of like a, a race car might at a, at a race right? Uh, where you can set up your shop. So you've got all your parts for your robot. You've got your robot itself. Uh, this gives you a place to put your tools and your parts and do any necessary maintenance or tuning or uh, if you've got a switch that goes from uh, maim to kill, right. this is where you flip that switch. Right. Yeah, um, and, and you, you are allowed to have a pit crew, though your pit crew has to be a certain size. Um, it, you know, there's no size limit on the the team that uh, that you use to build your robot. In fact, you can have a team of one if you like. Yeah, or you could have a team of an entire campus <laughs> if you really want to college campus. It could be that big, mm-hmm. but your pit crew, of course, cannot be that big. Now, um, there are several divisions. Uh, there's a high school division and a college division and a pro division, which is I don't think necessarily you're a professional robot builder, but they, I think they mean. Any age group, right? And uh, you can you can even get sponsorships, which yes. helps for that expensive part of the game of playing this game. Uh, there are two basic variations on robots recognized in BattleBots. Okay, there are non-walking robots, so essentially anything that uses wheels or treadmills, that kind of thing, you know, or treads, s- or snakes along the floor, or snakes along the floor. Because I have seen one of those. Yeah, anything that is not is not actually lifting a leg and putting it down in order to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is considered a non-walking robot, and uh, the weight designations for those. Um, and if you are competing at the high school or college level, your non-walking robot can weigh a maximum of 120 pounds. If you're a professional, that goes up to 220 pounds. Nice. So uh, the walking robots, also called stomp bots, mm-hmm. Uh, those they they can get a little heavier. So in high school or college uh, competitions, it can be up to 160 pounds, and for a professional, a whopping 300 pounds. So you could have a 300 pound stomp robot if you are uh, competing on a professional BattleBots team. Nice. Now and a little scary. The the whole goal here. I mean, we we've alluded to it quite a bit, but the whole goal here is that you you face off against an opponent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been in, in both cases. Your your robot is normally controlled by uh, remote controls. Normally, uh, you would you would be under you know each robot would be under human control. Yes. Although there are rules for autonomous robots, which we'll talk about in a second, and they're pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea here is that you go into a competition. There's a set amount of time uh, for the the round, and your goal is to 
disable the other robot within that time uh-huh. or to inflict more damage or show better strategy. You know, your 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 rounds are your the round is judged on various criteria like how much damage did you inflict, how much damage damage did you receive, and what was your you know, how strategic was your attack. If you were running away the whole time, you're not going to be judged very well. Right. Uh, but if you if you uh, are able to disable the other robot or you inflict more damage and, and play a better game than the other team, mm-hmm. then you would go on to the next round. Right. Uh, so uh, that's that's the general idea. Right. Now, we can get down into some more specifics, like what what constitutes your, uh, you know, your robot's weaponry. There were some robots that the weapon was essentially the fact that the robot itself was shaped like a ramp. Yes. It was designed to scoot under the uh, opposing robot and flip it over in the hopes that by turning a robot upside down, you have rendered it useless because it, it wasn't designed to move upside down. Right. Uh, and then th- we saw a lot of robots early on that that was the basic design. It was just essentially a ramp. It might have a little wheel or a treadmill on the ramp to help propel the robot over it, you know, the, uh, the uh, opposing robot over it so it can flip it over. And then we saw a lot of robots pop up that could work either right side up or upside down. Right. So, you know, that that weapon is essentially useless. Mm-hmm. But you're supposed to have some sort of weapon, right? That's right. It's a, it's a requirement that you do have at least one uh active weapon on on your uh bot. And you can you can participate even if your uh weapon is disabled. I mean, you could have a giant spike on the front of it and that that counts. Yeah. Uh but say you have a you know an arm on your your bot and it doesn't move anymore, but you move on and you can't get it repaired. Well, as long as you still have the weapon attached to the bot, if I'm reading the rules correctly, it, it's still allowed to continue to compete. It just may be at a, dis- a sincere disadvantage the next round. But sure. Let's see. I've I've seen a number of different kinds of bots. There are kinds, uh, as I said before, that might have a saw built into them. Right. Uh, which attempt to uh, to destroy pieces of the other bot. I've seen um, uh, bots with a, a hammer. Or, or a hatchet. Or a hatchet. Mm-hmm. Um, as, if I'm not mistaken, Grant of Mythbusters. Oh, he's built several. Yeah. I remember the one that, that, that I saw of his was one of those that had a uh, basically a spike that would come down and basically try to impale the other uh, robot. Now you have the the, uh, the wedges. Yep. I remember one that didn't have a weapon that would necessarily try to destroy the other bot, but would try to capture it so it could pick it up and and take it into the hazards. Right, and uh, drop it off there and let the let the board do the rest. Yes, yes. Um, so and and the the box hazards included um, saws that were mounted underneath the floor. So if your robot happened to pass over this. Basically, the hole in the floor where the saws come up, the uh, the the box might send the saws up through there and cut your robot. Yeah, it, it was very much like an Indiana Jones movie type thing. Like kind spikes of. could fly up out of the floor, or yep. not. When I say fly, I don't mean like they would actually be projectiles. They they did stop. Yeah, there was but this... spikes would pop up out of the floor, or and and the spikes wouldn't necessarily impale, but they would often overturn robots. Yes, yes, and there was a spike strip on the side. Now. Uh, there wasn't any anything necessarily that would, you know, it didn't pop out of the side of the the, the floor, but and, and it wouldn't necessarily impale your robot. Say you just bumped it into there. Well, you might think if you've never seen the show, you might think, well, that's a big deal, right? Yeah, I can get away from that. 
Well, not if the other robot manages to wedge one of the spikes into a, a tread on your robot or a right. wheel so that you can't you. escape. Then you're a sitting duck. Yeah, yeah. One of the rules of BattleBots is that your robot must be able to move at minimum two feet per second in a straight line. Yeah. And if your robot is at some point uh, disabled enough where it's unable to move, like let's say it's just stuck mo- moving in circles, then the round may be ended prematurely and you know the the victory given to the other robot yeah because uh you know you, you at that point really there's no way for you to to win unless the other robot suffers a failure and in which case that's not kind of a hollow victory yeah yeah um there there are certain things that are specifically not allowed yes uh, projectiles are not allowed unless they are tethered to the robot I would assume this is probably a safety precaution because while the uh, the battle box is enclosed enclosed and is likely to protect you from a piece of flying shrapnel that might spin off of a robot during a collision, uh, if you had a machine gun mounted on <laughs> your battle bot, it probably would be you know it could be depending on what you're using strong enough to pierce the box and injure the. The spectators outside. So this is why I'm never allowed to compete on that. There's no fun in that. Mm. Yeah, so uh, you can have a projectile if it is tethered to the robot, and the project the tether has to be uh, eight feet or or less in length. Yeah. Um, you cannot have anything that goes beyond that. Uh, you you are allowed to use covering weapons, so weapons that could cover a, a uh, an opponent, but they must uh, the covering must be either rigid or semi rigid, and the the attacking robot must be able to remove the cover at any time. So in other words, you can have like a a solid, not a net, but like say like a little cage on a lever, right? Come yeah. down and and encapsulate an opponent, and then you drive your opponent into a pit. Yeah, you could do that, but you could not shoot a net. At a uh, at a robot and then foul its wheels that way. In fact, you're not allowed to use any weapons that were specifically de- designed to foul a uh, uh, a a robot's wheels or treads just by getting tangled in there. So you couldn't drop like string or rope. Or um, they talk about you can use balloons and and um, airbags to push a robot, but you can't use them in such a way so that they come off your robot, deflate, and then become a fouling hazard. Right. Uh, At so least not intentionally. Not right. intentionally, anyway. Yeah, if it happens by accident, uh, you, you you know, that's that's another matter. Electromagnets are, there's a there's a very specific use. You can you can have them mounted on your robot and use them that way, but they, they are not supposed to be designed to interfere with the radio frequency signal that's sent by the remote control. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can't have, like, a cattle prod or uh, something that's going to essentially create an electromagnetic field that's going to be so powerful that it just uh, causes a robot to, you know, go down. You can't do anything like that. Like, you know, that also destroys my plan for my EMP robot that I was building. I can't do that anymore. And I was just about to figure out how I could do it without detonating a nuclear warhead. So I was so close. But um, uh, you can't use flame or uh, uh, weapons that would obscure vision as, as a... a tactic. Uh, you can use the both of those things in what they call effects, but that's sort of like 
you guys, if you've ever watched professional wrestling and they announce the wrestler and the wrestler comes down the ramp and there are all these pyro effects that go off and mm-hmm. there's a big video playing in the background and maybe smoke is coming up, um, you know, that's all for a, the effect of, of him taking the stage or her taking the stage before the match. Same sort of thing. That's the idea is that, you know, like you have a little flame shooting out the back. Well, that's okay if it's just for the entrance or, you know, a victory lap or something, but you can't use it as a weapon. Yeah, but there are things, there are reasons why you might not want to do that. Yeah. Uh, including the fact that you might have a flammable material on board. Now, you can have an internal combustion engine powering your bot. Yeah, this instead is of an electric scary. motor. But the thing again is, if, for example, the other bot severs your gas line. Yeah. Or whatever it is that you're using for fuel. Uh, and, uh, some spark catches it on fire, you may lose your entire bot. Uh, Actually, both bots might get lost in that because yeah, you're talking about a, a true flame hazard there. It's a, I mean, by definition, it has to be a combustible liquid. I assume that they would stop the fight and someone would go in with a fire extinguisher to put it out, but not, I would assume, before it would do get some, baked. some damage. Yeah. Um, also, it's going to add to the weight. If you add a smoke machine and a you know little flamethrower on there for the effects, then that's how many? You yeah. Know, is that going to add you, a couple pounds? How much to are it? you I mean, giving? Five up? pounds? Yeah. Um, and, you know, some bots are going to want to stay light and some are going to want to be heavier, depending on the kind of attack that, that you're delivering. So you really have to be very strategic about what you add to your bot. Right. Um, some bots themselves are weapons, too. Um, some of my favorites are, are what they call spin bots. Yes. Um, a couple of them were made from an upside-down walk, um, which doesn't sound very, you know... Scary, but if you mount things on the outside of these bots and you're going at a certain number of RPMs, when you come into the, say, really thin titanium coating of another bot, it may rip the outside of that thing right off. Yeah, yeah. These, these things, like I've seen some where it was essentially like a lawnmower arm yeah. that would spin around on the top of it. And yeah, usually you have a shell on the outside of the robot that is capable of spinning in one direction or the other. Uh, and then the, the wheels and everything are independent of that. So they, they, you know, the spinning motion isn't what propels the robot across the, the floor. It's just another element to the robot. Yeah. It's, um, a, it's a very interesting type of weapon. Yeah. It's tricky too, because I mean, it's going to throw off the, the way the robot handles is just, just from the, the force that's generated from the, uh, the spinning attack. Yeah. The impact usually causes both robots to go off in a different yeah. direction. They, they, it looks like when a pinball hits a uh, uh, like a, a bumper in a pinball machine. It's just like yeah. bing, and then it just flies across the, the floor. Yeah. Um, the uh, I should also point out at this point when I when I mentioned that they're independent, uh, each team is allowed two operators. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have two people operating the robot. So you could have one person who's essentially steering the robot, yeah, and driver, another, yeah, driver, and another person would be the with the one operating the weapons. And usually you would have two separate controllers working on two separate frequencies. Uh, That brings me to another weapon that you can't use. You can't use any kind of weapon that would interfere with your opponent's radio frequencies. Yeah, so no fair jamming the other guy. Yeah, which is, uh, yet again, all the things that I would plan, like, here's the brilliance of my plan, is you immediately disable the other robot before it even has a chance to do anything, and then you just go and whomp up on it. Actually, you wouldn't even have to do that. You could just move in a straight line. The, The other robot can't move. It's just, you know, it's disqualified. It has to be able to show that it can still move in order to be considered uh, viable. Um, well, even if you don't consider that playing dirty, you have to take into account the effect it has on the spectators when the other 
robot doesn't even move. It's no fun when when both robots don't get into it a little bit. It's fun. I'm looking at winning, dude. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but here's some other stuff that you can do that or that that's kind of cool. You can have a jumping yeah. robot. Uh, okay. You are um, your jumping robot can only the the there's a limit on how high robots are allowed to jump within BattleBots. That limit is six feet. I was telling Chris earlier, if I saw a robot jump six feet in the air straight up, I would immediately turn around and walk out of the building for fear of my life because uh, I don't know. There's something about a jumping robot that just scares me. Um, there is uh, you can have a hovercraft as a robot. You could you could build your robot could propel itself via uh, the same method as a hovercraft. Uh, you are not allowed to have powered flight or jets or rockets, though. Yeah. Yet again. I knew you were going to say that. So, um, um, also, oh, oh also, uh, light and sound. Um, you can't have any device on your robot that is meant to blind your opponent. Like your human opponent. Your human opponent. Yeah, you can't have like a, a like a fog light attached to your robot that you turn on whenever it's facing your opponents. Um, and you can't uh, you can't use lasers either on the outside. You can use lasers on the inside if they're used to uh, operate your robot in any way. That's fine. You just can't have any exposed lasers that are meant to be in effect or anything like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and as we said, you can use flames and smoke for just effect purposes. If you are using flames, uh, you can only use propane or butane as the fuel. And it has to be in gas form. It cannot shoot it as liquid or gel because obviously that would be uh, much more dangerous. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was mentioning the, the autonomous robots. You are allowed to build an autonomous robot. Now, an autonomous robot acts on its own, right? Mm-hmm. It has its own ability to perform actions and and on a certain level make decisions and act upon them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rule for autonomous robots is that it, when the match starts, it has to be under human control. You have to be able to switch it to autonomous mode. So essentially, it's like you know autopilot, right? right? You push a button or whatever, and it switches to autonomous uh, mode. And then you have to be able to have the ability to butt in and take it over manually if needed. Right. So as long as it follows those rules, you're allowed to have an autonomous robot. That's actually pretty cool. I don't remember them doing that back when I was watching the show. And unfortunately, I haven't seen any of the competition since then. Um, if you happen to be in Miami, Florida, uh, on February 23rd to 27th, that doesn't give you much time based on when this podcast is going to publish, uh, you can you could see this year's competition at the uh, Coconut Grove Expo Center. Um, so getting back to the, the actual format. So you have, you've decided to build a robot. You've made all the tough choices, what kind of weapon you want, what do you want to build it out of, uh, you've had your metallurgically uh, gifted friends help you with the choice between titanium and steel. Right. Um, do you really want to use Lexan for the outside? I don't know. Um, you, you've built your bot. You've got extra parts. You've got extra tools. You've got your buddies to help you with it. You show up at the tournament, and you, when you enter, you're in a tournament grid. So you go up for your first bout, and basically it's if you win, you continue – uh, you lose and you stick around and help people out because uh, the only people who can share parts, according to the rules, are people who are already out of the competition. So say you've won, but your motor burned out that you need for your uh, your actuator arm right. for your weapon. Uh, well, somebody from a previous round or from another competition can loan you a motor to use in your bot if you don't have one handy. But that person has to have already had their robot eliminated. Um, that's why it's always good to carry extras of these parts because you're going to need them. Um, 
but basically, as you progress up the ladder, uh, you know, eventually they crown a winner. Now, th- this is done in several classes, just like you would see in uh, human boxing matches. Uh, there are weight classes. Right. Um, and now that there are, are you know, the competition's more robust, you have high school, college, and pro levels uh, and weight classes within those levels. So you don't have a really tiny spin bot going up against a, you know, a crusher buzzsaw from, you know, the top weight class. Right. You have them matched evenly and, and they give out awards based on that. Um, you know, prize money, there's usually something, I think, that they try to give people. Um, yeah. I don't know that anyone has become rich. Being a BattleBot owner, but um, yeah, it's really an engineering con- contest more than anything else. Yeah, I think it's I think it's more for fun than anything else. Right, and bragging rights. Um, Unless I'm, you're on uh, the show Spaced, in which case it's a matter of honor. Yes, but um, I think more than that, though, from what the research I've done since I, as I said, I hadn't watched the show in many years. I was sort of out of it. It seems like there's been a real community spring up to teach people how to build robots. Uh, you know, for hobbyists, um, there are people who make parts for competitions now that that weren't. I mean, people take used to take, uh, you know, chainsaws and other parts off the shelf or machine things themselves. There, these you don't have to be uh, a complete uh, robotics expert to do this kind of thing. You can really get into it and ease yourself in more than you used to be able to. And I think there's a real um, community of people where they just hang out and share ideas now. Yeah, where there there probably wasn't before. So o- over the span of uh, just a few years, you know, this is the kind of activity that sprung up. And I think uh, competitions like this and and first uh, the first robotics competition, you know, it's it encourages people to learn more about it, and younger people are getting involved in it too. Yeah. So, um, uh, Congratulations to them. I, I hope it will make a return to TV. I really miss watching the show. Yeah, it was it's, so it's much fun. fun. It's a lot of fun. And again, you know, nobody, people are out a lot of money when they lose, but watching the, the robots take each other apart was just so much fun. So yeah, and, and it's great to teach the basics of engineering, robotics, that kind of thing. And you often will see things that show that people are thinking outside the box, so to speak, <laughs> and that, uh, that possibly have have applications beyond what you know sure. you, what some might see as just kind of a hobby yeah so it's you can learn a lot about cool engineering from these yeah things. definitely so if any of you guys have any comments about BattleBots maybe you built one and you would like to tell us about it I'd love to hear that definitely let us know you can you can contact us on Facebook or Twitter our handle there is techstuffhsw or you can email us that email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you